Oh, it's great to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. Though the cover is worn and the pages are torn, though places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book, worn and old, that can shatter and scatter my fears. This old book is my guide. Tis a friend by my side. It will lighten and brighten my way. And its pages I find soothe and gladden the mind as I read it and heed it each day. To this book I will cling. Of its worth I will sing, though great crosses and losses be mine. For I cannot despair while surrounded by care, while possessing this blessing divine. God's holy word. Luke 17, if you will, please. It's always a thrill for me to preach, and uh, uh, this morning we're going to center our thoughts on one particular statement. You know, uh, I am of the opinion that our Lord was tender-hearted, don't you think? I remember him weeping, and I think that gives us some insight into him. But in the 17th chapter and the 17th verse of the gospel according to Luke, there is a statement that he makes, and I believe with a tender heart, and perhaps even a broken heart. And the statement is this, where are the nine? Where are the nine? In the passage, uh, starting with verse 11 on, on down, and I will go, uh, sort of go through them as we... Um, as we spend these few moments together, but um, I, I think you'll see with me uh, the unfolding of this and why I think this about the Lord. Um, <laughs> if you start off uh, with me in verse 11, and you're going to see uh, where, where they're traveling, and uh, and as we read the whole thing, you're going to come to a conclusion, I believe, as I did, that there's a real picture of ingratitude in this passage. Um, and I've got to say to you, uh, I fear all of us have that danger of ungratefulness, maybe, for and we could talk about a number of things here. But let's just see verses 11 and following here uh, what was sought by these ten lepers, we're told. It came to pass, as he went through Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. 
And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down, at his, uh, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. That's important to note. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were, I, I think there's disappointment in that. I believe I can safely conclude that. And so verse 12 tells us something about the condition of these guys. I want to tell you right away that leprosy throughout the Bible is always a type of sin. And... Uh, uh, Habershon, in his book, The Study of Types, says this, that leprosy represents the corruption of sin, and it speaks to us of its activity and progress. William Barclay said uh, that in the New Testament, there is no disease regarding with more terror, he said, and pity than leprosy. And so I'm kind of helping us to get a little... Uh, idea here of, of what our Lord was dealing with and what the situation was with these guys. And then verse 12 says that these lepers uh, met Jesus, and notice it says they stood afar off. Now, back in the book of Leviticus, if you're familiar with, this, with the uh, uh, account of leprosy there in chapter 13, you're going to see a description of how a leper, how a leper and uh, uh, was brought to the priest or was uh, uh, seen by the priest and the conditions uh, in the camp, how he had to stand afar off. And if someone was approaching him, uh, he had to warn them that he was a leper and he had to call out unclean, unclean. You've probably been told that already. But he had to warn others that he was a leper. And so these ten men met Jesus but they were keeping their distance, according to uh, what we read here in the Bible. And so that's the reason they stood afar off. Leprosy, reminding you again, is a type of sin. It reminds us of how separated um, they are and we are from God. Furthermore, the progression of leprosy also reminds us of how it destroys life. And how uh, the pitiful condition of man, mankind who has leprosy. But, but God saved us. And uh, we were all, I'm saying to you today, spiritual lepers. And God brought us out of that leprosy. He, uh, and so... Uh, it's a human, a common human problem, isn't it, this thing? So notice with me, secondly, their cry, verse 13 said, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
These ten lepers were helpless and hopeless in their condition, and they recognized that. They knew that without some help, there was no hope. The dreadful disease of leprosy is eating away at the body, and uh, it will eat, I am told, uh, fingers and toes and eventually just leaves with uh, leaves that person with just uh, stubs, if you please. And it's a horrible thing. It's a terrible thing that uh, we don't have to deal much with here in uh, the United States. Um, however, uh, it's type we do have to deal with. And, uh, and so uh, we want to warn you this morning that uh, it is a, a, a dreadful and a dangerous thing, but there is a solution, and we're going to get to that in just a few moments. There is a solution. I well remember that night when those guys came to our home again and presented the gospel to me. If I remember correctly, one of them shared with me uh, from the book of Romans and uh, how that, uh, that uh, we're all sinners we all need a Savior. And I remember that night uh, after they dealt with me several times prior, but I remember in our living room floor, I, I believe it was May of 1963. How many of you were alive in 1963? Okay. Well, there's a good portion that have come along since that time. But I well remember that and... Uh, uh, I remember calling upon the Lord, and I remember how that burden was lifted that night. Everything changed. And, and I've got to tell you, it's never been the same since then. Um, there have been times. I've not always pleased the Lord, and I know that. And I, and I, I regret that. But he's never disappointed me. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Just a leper. And so it's possible that there's someone here this morning that, that you're in some of these stages, if we could, of leprosy. And so it starts off, we're told, as, a, as perhaps a little white spot. And, uh, and from that, uh, a little patch on the skin, maybe. Uh, but time, as time goes on, then sores uh, uh, begin to uh, show themselves. And, and then... Uh, they become putrefying sores. And it's a horrible thing for that person who, who has leprosy. And perhaps you're in the white stage this morning. I remember so many times talking to Australians as we were out on visitation and uh, talking with them about uh, the hope of heaven and the fear of hell and how God's word tells us that we can uh, take care of that issue. And, and I remember so many of them telling me how good they were. I'm a good guy. And one of the things they used to always say to me <laughs> was, uh, I don't beat my wife. <laughs> you know, that makes you want to go pat them on the back. <laughs> and say, man, you are something. You're a hero. Yeah, and, uh, and they would say, uh, I provide good for my family. I work hard. And I stop at the pub every once in a while, but, um, but I'm a good guy. Maybe you're kind of thinking that way today, and so that we will call that that little 
white spot that is just, it's there. But you know it's there. The only difference between you and that person whose life is, uh, uh, is destroyed because of uh, the leprosy is the progression. And I'll tell you this this morning. Your sin will progress just like the leprosy does. And one day you'll end up saying, how in the world did I get here? But verse 14 tells us that uh, when, they, when he, that is Jesus, saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, I like this statement, as they went, they were cleansed. So they started to do something about it, didn't they? They started to take care of the problem as they went. They took him at his word as they went. Under the Mosaic law, if a leper had uh, reason to believe that uh, by some uh, miracle that he had been cleansed, then he would go and uh, uh, send for the priest. And he would be examined and so forth and so on. And, and we'll not go through all that because I, I think we're getting the picture already that I believe we're supposed to get from this. But, but in the case of these ten lepers, Jesus told them to go and show themselves. And as they went, they were healed of their leprosy. They took Jesus at his word and they were cleansed. You can always take him at his word. Always take him at his word. And in the case of these guys, uh, they cried out and appealed to him. And like those lepers, when we cry out to Jesus for mercy, he cleanses us. And I said earlier, I knelt a helpless, hopeless leper. And I believe someone gave me Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and I did, and he did, and it changed my life. I grew up just a poor country boy down in the state of Arkansas. And you said, well, I already figured that out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't, well, anyway, I won't go into what I didn't do about some of the language down there. But I was, if you come through, I think it's Highway 62 coming up through Jonesboro, and you get on the north side of Jonesboro, probably a couple of miles. And you look off to your left, heading north, look off to the west. The old shack is not there anymore. But about a half mile out in the fields there, I was born. And uh, I lived my life there until late teens on the farm, working farm work. And I never one time, not one time, heard anybody share the gospel. Not once. I met my wife in those cotton fields. Thank God for those cotton fields. But thank God I'm gone from them cotton fields. And I took someone with me. And uh, God, you know, if you think about that and you imagine all that is suggested in that 
to believe that God would one day save that country boy and call him to preach and send him literally around the world. That's not humanly possible. But with God, all things are possible. And this morning you're wondering, but what can God do with me? Oh, listen, you'd be amazed at what God would do with you if you gave it all to Him. And if you came as these lepers did, and you turned it all over to Him, said, I need you, Lord, I need whatever you've got for me. I need it. And you took Him in His word as, as I did on that occasion back there. And blessed be his name, he will give you mercy and he will cleanse you as he did with me. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day when Jesus took my sins away. What a joy. There may be someone here today that sin has left you li your life in shambles. I've dealt with many of those over the years. I uh, like the lepers here. Maybe, maybe you are in the worst stages. One morning real early, I was in my office there in the west of Sydney, and I heard a knock on the door. It was like 5 in the morning. Wintertime there, still dark, mid-August. Wintertime, mid-August. And I go to the door and open the door, and, and I look out on a, a guy that was obviously a mess and he said pastor you don't even recognize me do you and I said no I'm sorry I don't then he told me who he was the husband of who attended our church and I went back in my mind to all of the times that I'd shared the gospel with him and he uh, wouldn't he wouldn't. Now he's knocking on my door and he said, I need, I need what you've been trying to tell me. I need it. Tell me how to get it. I don't know for sure that he was, I'm going to use an Aussie term here. Fair dinkum. All of you know that word, don't you? Fair dinkum means for real. If you're a fair dinkum Aussie, you're a real Aussie. Or if Aussies call you fair dinkum, that's a good term over there. Had a missionary that was trying to be Aussie, and he said to this guy one day, he was talking to him, he said, I just want to ask you, are you dinky die? And the guy said, <laughs> what? <laughs> he was trying to say, are you fair dinkum? I don't know what the conversation was about, but he told me that story, and I thought it was worth sharing with you. But listen, Jesus can cleanse you of your sin. Uh, there's a wonderful story that I read, and I, I need to share just briefly this story with you about Prince Edward, uh, who was visiting a uh, hospital, and you can Google it and if you're interested in looking at the story uh, a little more uh, in detail. But in 1934, uh, Prince Edward was... Um, told, they told the story that he, the heir to the British throne, was visiting a hospital there that had 36 
hopelessly injured and disfigured veterans from the First World War. And he stopped at each cot and he shook hands with each of the veterans and he spoke words of encouragement and he went through all of them. And as he was being conducted to the exit, he, he turned to the head nurse and he said, uh, I thought there were 36 patients in here. I've only seen 29. And she ha halted for a moment and said, well, the other seven are so shockingly disfigured for the sake of your own feelings and so forth, we decided not to take you to see them. And the prince insisted that he be taken to see them. I've got to see them. And so he went through each of them and he shook hands with them and he thanked them for their sacrifice and how they've served their country. And then he turned again to the head nurse and he said, he said, but I've only seen six men. Where is the seventh? he was informed that no one was allowed to see him he was blind maimed dismembered he was the most it says hideous figure of them all and the nurse pleaded with him please don't don't ask me to take you to him please don't and the prince could not be dissuaded and so reluctantly, the nurse took him to this darkened room. And the royal visitor stepped through the door, and he saw a man, and he suddenly stopped, and paused for a few moments, and he stood there, and he looked, and his face was drawn, and looking down at what had once been a fine man, but was now terrible to look upon. The prince began to weep, and with loving impulse, he walked over and he bent down, and he reverently kissed the cheeks of that broken war hero. Friend, I want you to know that there was one who stooped farther than that for you and and you I want you to know in your sin and me and my sin are more hideous than this man much more and it was not the physical disfigurement of a broken hero hero whose brokenness called for reverent gratitude but it was the leprous, evil, ugliness, the hopeless, helplessness of sinners when he looked down and he came down and he reached down and he showed mercy, glory to his name. He saved my soul. And I hope he has yours. But there's very probably somebody here this morning that you don't have that assurance. Uh, look at this one leper. I want you to see. I think it's important that we see this. Verses 15 and 16. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back.
with a loud voice glorifying God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Can't you, for just a moment, imagine how excited these ten lepers must have been when all of a sudden they found out they were cleansed. We're cleansed. Oh, think of the excitement among them. Think of it. But we see one leper coming back to Jesus. And we see him returning to express his gratitude and his thankfulness for what Jesus had done for him. Oh, see with me this public expression of his gratitude. Verse 15 tells us that he was returning. And with a loud voice he glorified God. Now, think about that statement for a moment. I love it. He glorified God. And that's just another way of saying that he was praising the Lord. And we see that he praised God with his voice. He spoke what he felt. And that's important. That we speak what we feel. You know what? You know when we are called to be witnesses? Do you know what a witness is? He just tells what he knows. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Just tell what you know. Tell what he did for you. Furthermore, look at this. I like this because it said he praised God with a loud voice. My goodness. I, I think this, in studying and, and research, I found that this word indicates that his praises were more than just raising his voice. He shouted out praises. He's out there in public. He's coming down the road and he's praising God. Man, that's pretty good. Everybody around him knew something had happened to him. Can you see the analogy I'm trying to draw? They need to know something's happened to us. We're now the third largest mission field in the world. The United States of America. There are people all around you who are lost. And there's probably some here this morning without Jesus. I, I think everyone could see him and they could hear him praising God. Oh, we led this, we led this Italian guy. I've, I've talked to you a little about him before. He went to be with Jesus a few months ago now. His name was De Pasquale. He was from an Italian background, as you understand. His parents came from the old country and spoke almost no English. But when he got saved, he had that, let's call it Italian excitement. And you couldn't keep him quiet. Oh, I remember the night I knocked on his door and I can't, I, time won't allow me to tell that whole story, but just say this to you. When he got saved that night in our services, I may have shared this with you, but I ducked across the hall to tell Linda, who was taking care of all the 
little kids while the parents were in the service. And I told him to go back, and I'd be in there in just a moment. And I led him through the door. And it wasn't, I started telling her, and while I was still telling her what had taken place, because we'd been praying for him, and, and I'd been witnessing to him, and I'd gone to see him, I don't know how many times. But all of a sudden, we heard, whoopee! This is in a church service. So when I opened the door, look, he's sitting back there on the back row with a big smile on his face. Everybody's turning around looking that way. What's going on? I said to them, he got saved. And he said, I did. And he didn't stop. He didn't stop telling people. Oh, he was such a blessing. The excitement that came from that guy. You know, one of the great things about being a member of this church, and, and it is a great church, is listening to the visitors who come in. You ever listen to them? You ever hear them? I, I was walking past the pastor one day, and I heard one of them talking to him. I get a little eavesdropping. Don't tell anybody, though, okay? And he said, man, I don't know what you've been doing here, preacher, but I was here. He may have even given a date. I don't know. I didn't get that. But he said, now I come back, and you're in this big building, and it's filled almost. And the preacher, you know what the preacher said. We serve a great God. He didn't take credit for anything. I want to go over there and tell the guy, yeah, and we got, here's the reason. <laughs> I know God is behind it. I understand that. But God uses people, don't he? And God has used them in a great way. And we drive an hour and a quarter every Sunday morning to get to this church. And sometimes we drive an hour and a half. It depends on who's in front of us. And we have to have a little more than that. But I'm telling you, listen to me. It's worth it. It's worth it. I heard my wife telling somebody the other day. They said, Wow, you drive all that way to church. She said, the drive is worth it. That's pretty good. Uh, it's the thrill. You know, uh, talking about praising God, ni uh, Psalm 95 and verse 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And then, uh, you know, also it blesses my heart. Uh, when I'm preaching, especially to hear somebody give a holy grunt, amen, you know, amen. I've, I've shared the story. I don't, don't have much time, but I want to tell you this. I went to Australia, and we started that work over there and building that work. And I told those people, listen, you're going to have to learn how as we, as we brought them to the Lord. And they didn't know any better. They thought that all churches did that, that you got to learn to amen. I even, I might have said, said this to you one day. I said, I said, when you say amen to the preacher, it's like saying, sick him to the dog. And they went. And later, a lady came to me. She said, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what does that mean? I said, oh, my goodness. It's another Americanism. Isn't it? I said, it's like you're encouraging the dog. And she said, oh, you meant sketch him. <laughs> I said, that's exactly what I meant. So from then on, I said to them people, 
When you say amen, it's like saying sketch them to the preacher. And they said, amen, amen. You know, they were, and they got excited and we taught them to amen. And we'd have, I said, when these American preachers come over here and preach, you've got to say amen. Or they'll go home saying, that's the deadest church I've ever been in in my life. And so they did. And, and, our, and, uh, and the preachers would come and they say, man, these folks know how to encourage a preacher, don't they? And then I came back here to the States, and I found that most of you guys quit it. Why? Why? It's, it's not just an encouragement for the preacher, but it's a biblical term. <laughs> and, and when you like something, you get excited about something. You know, I don't know this guy was doing it, but I can imagine that he was walking down the road there saying, Amen. Bless the Lord. Praise God. I'm cleansed. I'm cleansed. Psalm 106, 48. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Let God's people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. I preached one time, or I, I guess this time I was in just in the services, Dr. Frank Collins out on the west coast he was either coming back or going to Australia I don't remember which one but we're sitting there and, and he's Dr. Collins is waxing eloquent and he could do it too he could as us country boys say he could hoe corn and uh, and I heard this I heard this glory to God hallelujah right in back of me like this scared me to death this is in California in California, and I turned around, and there's this little old lady. And I said to later, Dr. Collins, we were out to lunch, I said, how often does that happen? <laughs> he said, not often, but when she gets blessed, she can't hold it. <laughs> and I said, I said, I wondered, I wondered what you were going to say after that little exhibition. He said, I wanted to say, I hope more of you get it. But... But he's a gentleman. He didn't say it. I probably would have said it, you know. But <laughs> Thank God for some excitement. Amen? <clears throat> he fell down his face and worshiped him. You know, let, let me just say something to you here. And this is my personal opinion, and, and I know it's that. And dollar, you can go to McDonald's and get a senior coffee. But... I wouldn't give $5 for religion that don't change somebody's life. It's not worth anything. If it didn't change your life, it ain't worth nothing. Get something that's real and get excited about it. And say, amen. Who's that saying amen over here? This guy was praising God. He fell down his face, on his face at his feet and he was giving him thanks <clears throat> I guess he shouted all the way back to where Jesus was and he fell down there and I can imagine that he had tears streaming down his face and, and I can just in my spiritual imagination believe that he couldn't quit think of thanking Jesus for his wonderful salvation we that are saved have so much to be thankful for. That he loved us 
that he saved us, that he cleansed us, and that he's constantly changing us. Constantly. If you've reached perfection, come and see me. I ain't done it yet. And he's still working on me. And I hope I'm better tomorrow than I am today. I can never thank the Lord enough. I'm going to finish with this story that I read. That I, I, I have somebody in mind, but I'll just share this story. It's of a construction worker. And he was working with a crew in the downtown area on a building. And one day, the pastor of a large church just a few blocks from the construction site walked into the sanctuary of the church. And there in the sanctuary sat this construction worker in his dirty clothes and his hard hat. And the pastor walked up to him and he asked him if he could help him. And the fellow said, Mr., I ain't never been in a church like this. I was raised back up here in the mountains. And we didn't have any churches like this where I come from. Ma and Pa never took me to church. And this is my dinner hour. And I just wanted to come and see what a church like this looks like. And the pastor asked him his name and he said, my name is Johnny, sir. And the pastor said, well, Johnny, you just look around. And the pastor told him a little about the church. And then Johnny said, mister, can you tell me something about your God? And the pastor began to tell him about the Lord. After a little while, Johnny looked at his watch and he said, it's time now that I go back to work. But he said, would it be all right if I come back again and talk a little bit more with you? And for several days during his lunch hour, Johnny came back and talked to the preacher about the Lord. And one day, you guessed it, Johnny bowed his head and asked Jesus to save him. And he asked the preacher after he got saved, he said, do you mind if I come over during my lunchtime? It only takes me about 10 or maybe 15 minutes to eat my lunch, and I'd like to just come over here and talk to the Lord. And the pastor said, that'll be fine. And for several weeks, he came by and had his lunch time right there in the church auditorium. One day the pastor was in the auditorium when Johnny came in, and Johnny didn't see the pastor. And he walked down front and took off his hard hat, and he knelt down at the altar. He was an uneducated, unlettered person, and he did, he did not know how to say all the fancy prayers, oh, great God, Jehovah, who, you know, all this sort of, he didn't, he didn't know how to pray that way. He got on his knees and he began to pray. He said, Jesus, this is Johnny. I don't want anything today. Lord, I just want to tell you that I love you. And I want to thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. 
thankful enough, Lord, for saving me. Now, Lord, I've got to get back to work. But thank you again for saving my soul. Oh, this is, I believe that's what this letter was written about. But the sad thing about it is that nine out of the ten In gratitude. I think God hates it. I know I don't think too much of it. Hasn't 